chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. Let me tell you about my latest computer problems, or better yet, about my internet experiences. As most of you know, Outlaws Publishing has been branching out with other projects. I've been fussing and cussing with Facebook for blocking all my sites. They kept telling me the links were bad. I'd get in front of my computer and I'd log in. I couldn't see any problems. Well, folks, I owe Facebook an apology because the sites were redirecting anyone with a phone or a tablet to porn sites. I just hope nobody was offended by this happening. We've been working diligently all weekend to resolve this problem, and we have one of the sites up and running, and we're working on the other sites to clean them up so folks won't be surprised when they go to any of the outlaw sites. I apologize to all you folks that experienced this fiasco, and we're taking every precaution that it won't happen again. Please stick with us. Our plans are to surge ahead in spite of this setback, and we do need your support. I wanted to talk a bit about Judge Roy Bean. Now here I go referencing Hollywood again. How many of you have seen someone portray Judge Roy Bean on TV or in a, in a Western movie? He's usually fat. He's usually bald and not very good looking. However, Hollywood got it wrong about the judge's looks. Roy Bean was considered handsome by the fair sex, and he competed for the attentions of various local women. Bean was in a dueling match one time, and both men were tossed in jail afterwards. During the two months that he was in jail, he received many gifts of flowers, food, wine, and cigars from women in San Diego. His final gift while incarcerated included knives encased in tamales. Bean used those knives to dig through the cell wall. After escaping on April the 17th, Bean moved to San Gabriel, California, where he became a bartender in his brother Joshua's saloon. After Joshua was murdered, Bean inherited that saloon. In 1854, Bean courted a young woman who was kidnapped and forced to marry a Mexican officer. Bean challenged that man to a duel and killed him. Six of the dead man's friends put Bean on a horse, tied a noose around his neck, and left him there to hang. But the horse didn't bolt, and after the men left, the bride, who had been hiding behind a tree, cut the rope. However, Bean was left with a permanent rope burn on his neck and a permanent stiff neck. Shortly after that, he chose to leave California and migrated to New Mexico to live with Sam, his brother, who had been elected the sheriff there. On October the 28th, 1866, he married 18-year-old Virginia Chavez. Within a year after being married, he was arrested for aggravated assault and threatening his wife's life. Despite their troubled marriage, they had four children together. The family lived in a poverty-stricken Mexican slum called Beanville. By the late 1870s, Bean was operating a saloon. Yet a store owner was so anxious to have this unscrupulous character out of the neighborhood that she bought all of Bean's possessions for $900 so he could leave San Antonio. At that time, Bean and his wife were separated. He left his children with friends as he prepared to go west. With that money, Bean purchased a tent, some supplies, and 10 55-gallon barrels of whiskey. By the spring of 1882, he had opened a small saloon near the Pecos River in a tent city named Vigaroon. Within 20 miles of the tent city was 8,000 railroad workers. The nearest court was 200 miles away at Fort Stockton, and there was little means to stop illegal activity. 
a Texas Ranger requested that a local law jurisdiction be set up in Big Run. And on August the 2nd, 1882, Bean was appointed Justice of the Peace for the new Precinct 6. His first case, however, had been heard on the 25th of July, 1882, when Texas Rangers brought in Joe Bell to be tried. Bean turned his tent into a part-time courtroom and began calling himself the Law West of the Pecos. As a judge, he relied on a single law book, the 1879 edition of the Revised Statutes of Texas. When he received new law books, he threw them in the fire. Bean didn't allow hung juries or appeals, and jurors who were chosen from his best bar customers were expected to buy a drink during every court recess. Bean was known for his unusual rulings. In one case, an Irishman named Paddy O'Rourke shot a Chinese laborer. A mob of 200 angry Irishmen surrounded the courtroom and saloon and threatened to lynch Bean if O'Rourke was not freed. After looking through his law book, Bean ruled that homicide was the killing of a human being. However, he could find no law against killing a Chinaman, and he dismissed the case. All cases were settled by fines. Bean refused to send the state any part of the fines, but instead kept all of the money for himself. In most cases, the fines were made for the exact amount that the accused had on his person. Bean's known to have sentenced only two men to hang, and one of those escaped. Horse thieves, who were often sentenced to death in other jurisdictions, were always let go if the horses were returned. Although only district courts were legally allowed to grant divorces, Beans did so anyway, pocketing $10 for each divorce. He charged $5 for weddings, and he ended all wedding ceremonies with, And God may have mercy on your souls. That was traditionally used at the end of a death sentence. He won re-election to his post in 1884, but was defeated in 1886. The following year, the commissioner's court created a new precinct in the county and appointed him to be the new justice of the peace. He continued to be re-elected until 1896. Even after that defeat, he refused to surrender his seal and law book and continued to try all cases north of the tracks. As he got older, Bean spent much of his profits helping the poor of the area and always made sure that the schoolhouse had free firewood in wintertime. He died peacefully in his bed after a bout of heavy drinking in San Antonio on 16th of March, 1903, age 84. Now let's listen to some good old country music. This is Brady Honeycutt singing, If No News Is Good News. But these blues won't go on and leave me alone. Pay no heed, though, if you hear me sighing. So if no news is good news, then I should be happy. And baby, I am so happy I'm crying.
Thank you, Brady. That was great. You can bet we'll be having Brady on again in the near future. Now let's visit with one of Outlaw's authors. John D. Fye Jr. was the first author to sign with Outlaw's Publishing. And I'll tell you what, we're mighty proud that he decided to take a chance on a new publishing company. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, Arthur John D. Fye. Welcome, John. Uh, hello, JC. How are you doing today? Doing fine. You? Doing okay. Got my morning coffee here. There you go. That'll wake anybody up, won't it? <laughs> John, you're a retired truck driver, I understand. Yes, I am. How long did you drive a truck? Oh, pretty close to 20 years. 20 years. What did you do before driving a truck? I started my thing off with auto mechanics. Worked in the auto industry for a while and then started moving around a little bit. I got interested in a lot of different things and dairy farming and horse farming you know, all different kinds of stuff. And then I got the pitch in the foot and started trucking. All right. And you you drive a RV around the country now. Yes, I do. Full time, yeah. How long you been doing that? I would say about 10 years. Do you think you'll ever settle in one place? Well, eventually we will. We've been leaning more towards Texas. Kind of like maybe get a small hobby farm and I like being around horses, and I miss them, but we will eventually settle down again. We sold the house and went out on the road. Right now, we're getting a little weary of it, and so we're figuring on settling down. We started looking around different places. Well, you can't beat Texas. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. I'm looking around at some land deals out there. I'll be making up my mind come this spring. I understand you was in the military. What branch of the military were you in? I was in the Marine Corps. For how long? Uh, six years. I'm a Vietnam vet. When did you decide you wanted to be an author? I used to write short stories, being up in the truck by myself. I just did it for fun, for myself, for self-entertainment. We were campground hosts in the state of Florida for a while. One day we just got the talks on it around and stuff. And we were in this place called Fort George, and it's an island. And there was only one RV spot there on the island. And there's peacocks all running all over the place. And I said to my wife, I'm going to go outside and sit under the awning. And I think I'm going to sit down with the laptop and write. And that's how Blood on the Plains was born. I had peacocks running all around. I was getting entertained by the peacocks. How long ago was that? It's got to be about five years ago. Okay, you mentioned telling stories at campgrounds and such. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? People take different kinds of views, and they like entertaining kind of stories, you know, around campfire. Everybody likes to laugh nowadays out here. There's just too much other stuff going on, and they need a little sidetrack. Things like that, sitting around a campfire or sitting around a, on a picnic table and eating a couple of hamburgers or hot dogs and just come out with one and have people laugh and that adds joy to a life so it's a lot of fun meeting different people 
And you also mentioned something about you wouldn't ever work in a dairy farm again. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. I was always telling my mother uh, that I wanted to be a farmer. And I would always tell her, well, all the different types of animals I was going to have on this farm. And for some reason, I had this fixation about cows. I was dead set I was going to try out dairy farming. So I got a job on a dairy farm. You know, I, I liked all the other aspects of it, like haying and all that other. But uh, it was 20 below zero this one winter. We had all the cows into the milk house at 4 in the morning. I was cleaning the teats off with the cleanser and was getting ready to hook the milker up. And that wet, soggy, manure-filled tail just come around and whipped me right upside the head. And that cured me of dairy farming. Sounded like quite an experience. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's nothing like there's nothing like working on a horse farm and opening up them barn doors in the morning and getting that right fresh smell that comes out of there early in the morning. <laughs> and what a welcome you get too. Yeah. yeah. How does it make you feel to be so well received by the readers? Oh, it's great. Every morning I've got these messages on Facebook and and my phone just keeps. Uh, binging away from Twitter and we love the story or they try to get into my mind sometimes and ask him how is this going to happen they'll tell me certain parts of the books that they like and it gives me more food for thought for the next book or the next story of what they want to see have you ever gotten a bad review yes I have how'd that make you feel it wasn't so so much as it was a review it was just a remark about genocide Apparently, the man hadn't read the book, Blood on the Plains, because it's far from genocide of the Native American. I tried to change people's outlook of what was going on. Uh, let's take Sitting Bull, for instance. The media, Hollywood, has Sitting Bull painted as some kind of a monster or something, but he really wasn't. He had a great sense of humor. He loved kids as all Native Americans do. I mean, they just love life. They're very spiritual people, I found. And, you know, their story needs to be told in a different light. It wasn't all them. They're just regular people like anybody else. That's right. They sure are. And they're great people. Very spiritual people. And all people have good ones and bad ones. It doesn't matter who they are or where they come from. There's good ones and bad ones. And there's always somebody who wants to knock you no matter what you say. That's it. I understand you had a bad experience with a publisher. Can you tell us about that? It happened with Blood on the Plains. We signed on for one of those pay-to-publish, and it, it just turned into a, a, a total fiasco. The book had uh, all different kinds of mistakes in it. You know, it, it just sat down at the bottom of the Amazon charts for I don't know how long. When I signed with Outlaws Publishing, my life really changed, and so did the story Blood on the Plains. And people are loving the book. That's all I've got to say about that. I have some advice for anybody that's new to publishing or haven't published a book and thinking about publishing a book. Think twice about paying to publish. I don't think you have to think twice, John. You don't even have to think about it because it's not necessary. It's not. You don't have to pay anybody to publish your book. You don't even need a publisher to publish your book. You can publish it yourself. And that's what I'm trying to do is trying to educate all authors do not pay to have your book published. You pay at first, and then you write, and you've got from the editor 
and then they tell you what's wrong with it and but this has to be changed and that has to be changed and then you get another price to pay for the editing and it just keeps going on and on and on and on until the book finally get released and then you still got to do all the footwork all the medias all the social media all the p promoting for yourself and you know if you're green and you really don't know how to do these things you're in limbo you're you're nowhere i've learned it the hard way blood on the plains now since july has steadily steadily climbed in, up into the charts where before it sat below the eight million mark just as far down as you could go on the amazon chart so when somebody asks me how do i feel i feel wow uh -huh. i'm in shock I'm, I'm in a state of awe actually Biden's group gave blood on the plains best western of 2015 it's on the best sellers list when else can an author ask for i got uh -huh. good readers loyal fans i mean my life has changed. I mean, I'm enthusiastic, JC. Don't get wrong. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> okay. I'm enthusiastic. Uh, I got stories running in my mind. I got three of them written down right here on a pile of paper bag here. I've been writing notes of stories that just pop into my mind. What made you decide to sign with Outlaws Publishing? I was sick and tired, just sick and tired of getting absolutely nowhere. I, actually, I was getting ready to give up until I saw the ad for, for Outlaws Publishing. I said, well, let me give a chat and let me see. Let me find out what this is all about. And a couple of other people had told me, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, a couple of people on Goodreads had, was telling me about Outlaws Publishing also. So that's how I got right here with Outlaws Publishing. I like the things that about us. I saw the word love and that love stuck in my mind and I had to find out about it. Here we are, J.C. Yeah, here we are. What was your favorite treat as a kid? My favorite treat as a kid was uh, getting out of school, <laughs> get, running home, and turning on the TV to the afternoon western that was on TV. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was a treat. And my brother, we would get some money for Saturday and put a matinee, and they always had cowboy pictures. Whenever there was a western in the movies, my brother and I were there. How much did that cost you to go to the Saturday matinee? I think it was about 35 cents back then. And how much for popcorn? I can't remember the price. It was so long ago, <laughs> but it wasn't what it is today. That's no, sure. that's true. What advice would you give to an up-and-coming author? Best advice is do some research. Get to know subject matter that you're talking about. If you're talking about guns. Get to know the weapons that you're inserting into your story. Get to know what they feel like and the action of the weapon, what the weapon can do to someone. Not like TV where some, they show somebody shot and they just stand there and drop on the floor. Uh, that just doesn't happen in real life. Okay. Take your time and edit. Make sure you edit. Read it to yourself. Read it out loud. Read it to someone. Have someone read it. And don't be afraid of criticism because criticism is, your, is the best way to make your book a little bit better. Sound like good advice. You said that Blood on the Plains with the other publisher was in the 8 million in Amazon ranking. I looked this morning and Blood on the Plains is number 9 in the Kindle book sales. How does that make you feel? You know what really energized me is when I got the book in my hand. And I actually looked at the book and I said, I did this. Mm -hmm. 
I actually did this. This year, I, I can't believe that I did it. And then you watch it start to climb in the numbers. And every single day, it's going up, 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 up. And you're going, oh. And like you said now, number nine. Wow. I feel like it's, I, I feel like I'm in seventh heaven, actually. <laughs> and and uh, Luke Pressure, your second book is uh, number 20, I think it was. So you're doing pretty well, in my opinion. I think people are going to like that short story, that Wild West series. I got one I'm working on now, uh, Weary River, which is another good book. I tried to change the storyline in, in Weary River. W- Weary with River. <laughs> uh, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Four times fast. <laughs> Just change the different the different subject matter that is usually covered in westerns, but come up with something different. And that's what I plan to do with this Wild West uh, short story series. Okay. Each book in that series is going to be a different type of the story. You have two books on Amazon, both ebook and paperback. You also have a audio of both right. books. I want all my books to have audio because there are certain people that I know personally that have trouble with their eyesight. The truck drivers like it because now they can listen to music, listen to either music, listen to a story. Believe it or not, a lot of truckers are going to the Kindle. How can your readers get in touch with you? Oh, they can get in touch with me. I got my Facebook page, uh, Author John Daniels. That's another long story, but just go to uh, Facebook, do a search on uh, John D. Fye Jr., and uh, you'll come to another page. You'll find a lot of real good folks there. And, of course, my author page, which is uh, on Facebook. It's Author John Daniels. Or you can email me at John Fye at outlawspublishing.com. You also have a short story, The Bender Brothers in the Outlaws Echo Digital Magazine. I started off with the introduction part of the, the main characters. People are going to like The Bender Brothers. It's a different type of a Western book. Okay. You also have a blog on outlawspublishing.com. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the Cowboy Campfire. John, we want to thank you for being a guest on the Wild West Showdown today. And I want to give you a special invitation from one old cowboy to another to come back and visit any time. Oh, I sure will, J.C. Whenever you need me, you just let me know. All right. It's been a pleasure, John. We'll talk to you later. Okay, J.C. Goodbye out there. So long. After that visit with John, I thought this song by Dave Jorgensen was a good selection. We have a winner. Take it away, Dave. Lost her fair and square.
But to her, it's just a game If luck be a lady Then it sure ain't her I need of my love And got nothing in return We have a Did you enjoy that song as much as I did? I believe our singers are only getting better and better with each show. I could be wrong about what I'm going to talk about next, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. I heard on the radio about two Heisman Trophy winners playing against one another. It made me wonder if those winners won that trophy all by themselves. How come they get a trophy and possibly a lucrative contract when each of the team members go back to a regular life? I could be wrong about this, like I said, because I don't follow sports all that much. But in this old cowboy's opinion, each one of those players ought to have a trophy. Of course, it's that way in all aspects of life, I suppose. A company becomes a big success, and who gets the credit? That's right, the owner or the CEO. Not much is said about the grunts that did the actual work to make that company a success. Yeah, they call us the little guys. They call us insignificant. We're not important. How wrong could that statement be? This kind of injustice goes on all too often. When is a common man or woman going to get the recognition that they deserve? A special thank you goes out to Brady Honeycutt and Dave Jargerson for their music. Why don't each one of you go to Facebook and friend these young men? Tell them how much you enjoyed hearing them on the Wild West Showdown. And a great big thanks to John D. Fye Jr. for being our special guest. We sure would like to hear from you about being a part of our show. Any talent you want to share with the world is welcome. 
send an email to jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. Now come on, gather around for some cowboy wisdom. It ain't worth fussing about unless the bone is showing or you ain't got no feeling in it. Even then, you ought to cowboy up and walk it off. This is the old cowboy saying, adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.